This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. In this time of home isolation, the world can feel smaller than ever. And yet we're all connected because all around the world, we're fighting a common enemy, coronavirus. So I thought we could take a metaphorical journey overseas and experience life in lockdown around the world. Sheridan Voisey is an author and broadcaster based in Oxford in the UK, where thousands have been hospitalised with COVID-19. The Prime Minister, Boris Johnson and Prince Charles are two high-profile figures that have tested positive for COVID-19. Sheridan's on the line now to share his experiences. G'day, Sheridan. Hi, Katrina. What a strange time for us to be talking together like this. You, you're absolutely right. We've got we've got something in common, and that thing that we have in common is actually worldwide. So it's it's an amazing time to be talking. It really is. And how is everyone in your house? Is everyone healthy? Yeah, we are all fine. We, um, I mean, it's just Marin and I, uh, and Rupert the dog. I shouldn't forget Rupert. I was worried about Rupert. I was wondering if he's still getting his walks. <laughs> He is still getting his walks. So we are under um, quite strict lockdown um, advice here in the UK. We are allowed to go out for exercise once a day. Mm. So that's when Rupert is getting his his walk. So per person, one moment uh, per day, you're able to go out for exercise as long as you also keep the physical distancing rules in place. So he's he's still getting his walk. Don't worry. Mm. So what other kind of restrictions do you guys live with there in the UK? Well, just yesterday, we went to go and get some shopping from the supermarket. Quite extraordinary to be in a lineup, a queue. And you might already know that the Brits love their queues anyway. They're very respectful when it comes to lining up in a queue. This was something else. So everybody was about three or four meters apart. Only 50 people at a time were allowed to go into the supermarket. You had to wait in line for a good 10, 15 minutes until a spot became available. And then you were given a trolley. You then gave that trolley back at the end when then an attendant wiped it down uh, with antiseptic wipes and things like that. So everything is just taking a lot longer to be able to do. So things like that, no travel at all unless you are doing a job that cannot be done at home, which is a little bit different from other countries. So everybody, I mean, the whole the whole country is on lockdown in, in a sense. I mean, almost all businesses are completely shut because if it's not some sort of challenge for them anyway to have customers in, there's just nobody around. So mm-hmm. everything is shut down apart from, you know, empty buses that are driving around and the occasional car on the streets. So it's, it's, it's quite surreal. How are people feeling about it? Is the British public very compliant and the people sort of still got the, the, the characteristic British stiff upper lip? I think so. I think if you compare it, say, to some of the reports you get out of America, where the culture tends to be very much about freedom, and so there can be a little bit of a suspicion about what the government are wanting us to do. Not so much of that here at all. So there is a sense of wanting to go ahead. There is a sense of if people are not abiding by the rules, then people are (laughs) coming down on them like a ton of bricks. Mm. So I, I think in general, that really is it is the case. The challenges facing the Brits will be like challenges facing anybody. I mean, my, my friends who have got children are now finding themselves incredibly exhausted by the end of the day because they're having to be homeschooled parents now, and they've never had to do that before, as well as on top of that, perhaps starting to think about whether their incomes are still going to be safe. 
Um, so those are the kind of issues I think they're really facing. On a whole, though, the culture is definitely uh, doing its best, I think, to abide by these rules. Your, your wife, her work would be essential, wouldn't it? She'd have to carry on with what she's doing. Indeed. Well, you may already know that Oxford University is one of uh, a handful of universities that has been working on a vaccine. Uh, And in fact, they were able to go live with that vaccine just a few days ago. And within hours, they got uh, all the the people that they needed to basically enroll in that because so many people are either wanting to do so for the sake of others or maybe a little bit worried themselves and they want to be part of a, a vaccine trial. So uh, my wife has had a part in that. And so you can imagine the team have been incredibly busy mm. over these last few weeks. Uh, in fact, I, I heard recently and I felt quite teary actually when I heard about this about the the clap for carers where people stood on their doorsteps and applauded the NHS, and people are really feeling grateful to the health workers now. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember going back to the 2011 Olympics when they were held here in the United Kingdom, and there was this amazing opening ceremony, and it was celebrating all that was British. And one the, and the, the key pivotal moment of the night was when everybody brought out these hospital beds and it was this big celebration of the NHS, the National Health Service. It is a beloved institution here. So NHS workers are considered heroes right now. So yes, we had just a couple of nights ago, we had uh, a time 8pm, everybody came out onto their front doorsteps and applauded and whistled and cheered for the NHS because they were really struggling. And I tell you what, something else as well, Katrina, that was really lovely. The government put out a call for volunteers to help the NHS. So obviously you didn't need a medical background, so this would be things like helping to deliver medicines to people that are are, um, infected and are self-isolating, or maybe bringing around groceries and leaving them on the front door, or maybe calling somebody who just needs some sort of personal contact. And they did it via an app, And they wanted 250,000 volunteers. Would you believe that in 48 hours, they had 500,000 volunteers? And now the number is over 750,000, which I just think is absolutely wonderful. That's amazing. That's really, really beautiful. I know personally, Sheridan, I mean, you do a lot of speaking engagements. How has this affected your livelihood and your work? <laughs> I have pretty much lost my income for the rest of the year. So I've had um, all speaking engagements, just one by one, slowly. You know, the email has come. You, you fully expect to get all in speaking engagements cancelled through until I think I'm up to about August now. And look, any events that are going on after that, I'm not too sure people are going to be able to effectively get people to come along to them um, because. Everything is so uncertain at the moment. So yes, it's it's a it's an interesting time for us. I mean, one of the good things that has come here. Well, there's a couple of good things that can come out of that. Um, one, I'm in the process of getting up my very first live streamed online retreat. Now, I haven't done that before, and I am so looking forward to it. So we're going to be looking at who you can become when life doesn't go as planned, which is probably a timely topic. And so we're going to do that. Uh, via live stream and Facebook groups and things like that. So that's that's something new, which I'm really looking forward to doing. I wouldn't be doing it if all of those speaking engagements were there. Also, I have to, again, give a big tick to the British government who have just uh, a few days ago come through and said for self-employed people like myself, uh, they are going to be 
trying to come to the party and help with some extra funding. So, yeah, you wrote a whole book about what to do when life doesn't go to plan and obviously that's <laughs> going to become a relevant topic. Have you got any thoughts in this early stages about how this coronavirus experience is going to shape us? Such a good question. And, you know, I find myself pulling out my journal every day and scribbling just to try to keep up with everything that's going on, trying to make sense of what is going on. Um, look, I only have some tentative ideas, but I, I think a lot of commentators are saying that this is of such a magnitude and taking the British context into account. So this is, this is even beyond World War II, they're saying, because even in World War II, you didn't have restrictions on going to the shops. You didn't have theatres closing down and sports and gyms closing down and things like that, which you do now. And they're saying that it's going to have such an effect, it could well reshape politics. It could shape reshape the way that we relate to each other socially. Uh, it could have huge ramifications. So I don't know exactly whether that will come to pass or whether just a few months after we all go back to work, everything goes back to the way it was. I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think it's certainly exposed our individualism. It's exposed our general default of self-sufficiency. Now we're finding that we're not self-sufficient. We really do need our neighbours. And for the first time, in some cases, we're actually connecting with our neighbours needing to have them help us or them needing our help. So I think that's one going to be one good thing. Uh, it's been very interesting to see that people have been showing a renewed interest in prayer. A bit of research has just uh, come across my desk this morning, actually, that has been done out of Europe that's shown that Google searches for people looking to learn how to pray right now has gone exponentially through the roof over these last two weeks. And it's also including very, what you might call, non-religious countries. I think that's a fascinating sign. When times get tough, when we realize that we're not completely in control, then we realize we need to call out to a power higher than us. I'm hoping that that is going to be uh, transformational for people if they actually follow that through and find the God who is willing to listen to them. So I think there's two things immediately that we might see, let alone all the social changes that we might see in the future. Mm. Yeah, well, and also if anyone listening is interested in learning how to pray, Sheridan does actually have an article on his website right now with what you call a breath prayer, a simple prayer that you can pray in and out on each breath. That's That's a good place to start, isn't it? You know, I wrote that little prayer, and it's based on some words of the Apostle Paul. He, he wrote to a, a group of Christians in Galatia, and he talked about the fact that when God, when we ask God, he will fill us with these virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, perseverance, self-control. And if ever there was a time in history that we need those virtues right now, whether it be just coping with being cooped up with our family in one room, or whether it be um, being able to deal with the stress of the moment as well as be altruistic towards our neighbours. How do you how do you do that? Willpower will only take us so far, and so I wrote this little prayer based on those words of the Apostle Paul. And it is a very simple breath prayer. Like you say, you 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 pray in on the first line and then pray out on the second line. And so, uh, Lord, I receive your peace right now, and I release my anxiety. 
And so there's about maybe 10 lines there that I'm praying every day and a whole bunch of other, it's getting shared amongst um, pastoral counselors and it's going into retirement villages and all sorts of things. So I do hope that that is helpful for people because it just helps us, gives us some railway tracks to uh, find a strength and a source of these qualities and virtues and strengths that we need within that is far beyond any willpower can muster. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. And if anyone wants to find that, you'll get it on Sheridan's um, website at SheridanVoisey.com. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your experiences with us today, Sheridan. Thanks, Katrina. Always good to talk to you. And my goodness, as we journey through this moment together, it's going to be transformational, I think, to see how we all change as uh, as we walk together. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely to hear from you. That is broadcaster and author Sheridan Voisey sharing his lockdown experience from Oxford in the UK. You can find out more about Sheridan and you can read his blog at SheridanVoisey.com. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.